Hello, this is Brian McCormick. Welcome to another edition of the Leadership Podcast Series from the Resource for Leaders, LeaderNetwork.org. Our National Leader of the Month is Lou Holtz, best known for his famed career as a college football coach. Coach Holtz is also a highly successful author and speaker, and he currently spends a lot of time on the television, particularly in the fall as a college football analyst for ESPN. Lou is the only coach in the history of college football to take six different teams to a bowl game, win five bowl games with different teams, and have four different college teams ranked in the final top 20 poll. He has held head football coaching positions at the University of South Carolina, the University of Notre Dame, the University of Minnesota, the University of Arkansas, North Carolina State University, and William & Mary. He even spent a season as the head coach of the NFL's New York Jets. While at Notre Dame, he led the Irish on a record 23-game winning streak that ranks as the longest in the storied history of Notre Dame football and includes a consensus national championship in 1988. This past August, Lou Holtz released his latest best-selling book, Wins, Losses, and Lessons. What a phenomenal leader Coach Holtz is. A conversation with him makes clear why he has built so many successful college football programs. Enjoy the interview I conducted with Lou Holtz. Following the interview, continue listening for an extra special bonus feature. Two former coaches on Lou's football staff, Barry Alvarez and Urban Meyer, will comment on Lou Holtz's leadership. But first, here is the interview with Lou Holtz. As far as your favorite quote, anything that would jump to mind? Well, I, I have several of them. I don't know who, you know, there's books out on my quotes, but uh, the one I really like is that every day somebody does something great. Today, make us someone be you. Excellent. How about a favorite book? Oh, I, there's several of them. I, I love See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. I thought that was a great book. Uh, Tough Times Don't Last, Tough People Do by Dr. Schuler. I think at uh, the Bible, I think Harvey McKay's books that he has written, How to Swim with the Sharks, Not Being Eaten Alive, and, of course, Winning Every Day and Wins, Losses, and Lessons by Lou Holtz. But I wouldn't put mine in. But see at the top by Zig Ziglar and Dr. Schuler and Harvey McKay. That Those are great books. And the only thing that's going to change it from where you are today to where you'll be five years from now are the books you read, the people you meet, and the dreams you dream. Terrific. How about... Any different books that you'd recommend for aspiring leaders, or would those fall into that exact same category? Although those, uh, I, the only thing I ever read are motivational books. I never read fiction or anything else on that line. And I always try to read things that will help me get better. And, you know, I get something out of every book I've ever read. But, uh, you know, just from start to finish and ones that you will refer to, the first book I ever read on motivation was... Uh, the Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz, and that was a great book on goals. 
but his overall philosophy, I, as I'd see at the top, and tough times don't last. Okay. What about a current personal passion? Everybody needs four things in life. Everybody needs something to do, some, someone to love, something to hope for, and something to believe in. You have to have those four things. And so as far as a, a passion, you know, I, I, I love golf, but at the same time, whatever I'm doing at that time, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I, I, I'm going to give you undivided attention, whether it be on the golf course, whether it be making a speech, whether it be doing TV uh, for ESPN, uh, whether it be being a grandpa or being a husband, you know, you, you just, I have a lot of things I have to do, and, and I just try to do it to the best I can at that time. I tried to make the necessary preparation right for this interview. I, I looked it over. I didn't have time to do it in great depth and detail, but I, I've read every question you ask and, and thought about it a little bit. Sure. But that, that, to me, that's a passion, is whatever you're doing you try, at that moment should be the passion you have. If you don't have a passion to be doing something, you shouldn't be doing it. And if I, you know, just like in golf, I, I just played this morning. We're going to play an emergency nine here. My team won this morning. Uh, it, no big deal. There's no, doesn't go in the Hall of Fame, doesn't go in the record, but it's just the idea. Hey, we went out, we played very well as a team. Boy, you talk about golf, it makes me jealous. When you talk about those four categories that everyone or the four things that everyone needs, the one about something to hope for, I guess in along those lines, what would your dream be? Any dream right now at all? Well, I, I want to own an airplane, you know, and I keep looking at that. That's something I always want to do with own an airplane. But, uh, you know, it, dreams, it, at my age, you don't even buy green bananas anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there, there has to be things you want to hope for and things you want to do. But as far as, you, you know, uh, you like to be able to do TV well, you know, not be a, just whatever I'm doing, you know, I want to do that thing as best I can. Sure. Okay. What about a place in the world that either you most like to visit or if there's somewhere you haven't been that you'd really like to get to? Well, there aren't many places in this world that my wife and I have not been to. I, I think it, uh, you know, uh, but there are about four or five of them that we haven't been to, uh, we haven't been to uh, South Africa. We haven't been to South America much, not way down south. I haven't been to Russia. Okay. I haven't been to Australia. Those those are the only four. But, you know, we've traveled so much that every time we travel, we're, we're so glad to be home that we don't travel much anymore. Sure. Okay. What about experiences that have been vital to your development as a leader? Oh, I, I think it. There's so many things that uh, relationship with uh, Father Hesburgh as president of Notre Dame was a marvelous thing. But I, I think, you know, whether whether you're being fired at Arkansas by Frank Burroughs, you, you know, when you have the best one-loss record in the history of the school and the second-best one-loss record in the history of the Southwest Conference, you had seven bowl bids in seven years, and he, he tells you that he, he wants you to resign and, and doesn't give you a reason. And that was a great experience because of this. My wife, when I made a better, said, we're just going to move on. Two years later, Notre Dame's looking for a football coach, and they called Frank Broyles. He said, go hire Lou Holtz. Well, what I'm saying is that, that that was a great experience 
I ended up at Notre Dame because of Frank Broyles and ended up at Minnesota, which was a marvelous experience as well. Whether you're talking about good things that happen to you or bad things that happen to you, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react to it. And what I think we do have to always understand is that wherever we are, we're there because of the decisions we made, not somebody else. That uh, if we make bad choices, bad things are going to happen. When you feel that somebody else is responsible for your bad luck, and you're also going to feel that somebody else is the only person that can get you out of your bad situation. When you take charge of your own life, held accountable, understand the decisions have ramifications, then and only then are you going to be able to cope with everything that comes along. And that can be handled. You can learn that through adversity. You can learn that through positive things as well. Sure. Okay. Terrific. What about... Any other turning points in your life? In that last question, you addressed some definite turning points. Anything else that you would... Oh, I, I think uh, going to Ohio State under Woody Hayes, uh, you know, when he, he was coming off a bad year, and uh, I, I went to Ohio State as an assistant coach, and we won the national championship. But I learned so much from Coach Hayes about standards about not accepting mediocrity from players that your obligation to coach or as a leader is not to be popular, is to make them the very best they possibly can on leadership. Father Hesburgh said this to me, I never forgot. He said, I can name you the head football coach. I can give you that title. Titles come from above. I cannot name you the leader. Mm-hmm. People underneath you will determine who the leader is. And a leader is somebody that has a vision has a plan, leads by example, and is positive in the time of adversity. Oh, great words. My personal favorite question that I love to ask leaders, and, and this is kind of vague and it doesn't send you in a certain direction, but we all have a story, I believe. And the question is, what is your story? Is there a story that kind of encapsulates what you're all about? Well, you know, I, I don't like to talk about myself a whole lot. I think if you have to tell people what you did, you haven't done much today. What you did <laughs> yesterday, yeah, I say this, if what you did yesterday looks big to you, you haven't done much today. But uh, I, I think that uh, if it's one story, I've been married the same way for 46 years. This was after she turned me down for, we sent a wedding date and she broke it. Uh, and then later... <laughs> We got married, that was 46 years ago, had four children, three graduated from Notre Dame, one from Southern Area. You know, I, I just have a philosophy, and my philosophy is very, very simple. And maybe if it was a turning point or a story, was that William Mary, I went there after coaching Ohio State and under Woody Hayes, we won the national championship, but I know everything. Boy, that first year <laughs> was a disaster. And I sat down and tried to figure out why, what you know, I, I, I can't be Woody Hayes. What, the, what, what is it I want in a football team? What is it I want people that I'm going to work with? So I made a list of people that I felt were very successful from all walks of life, that they just had a way of getting things done. And I made a list of people who screwed everything up regardless. And then I tried to, what, what do they have in common? What does this group here who's successful do that this group here that fouls everything up doesn't do? One looks, one intelligence, one ethnic, wasn't uh, uh, religious, one size. And the only three things 
it's a good group had was you could trust them because they did the right thing. They were committed to excellence. They did everything to the best of their ability. And they genuinely cared about other people. The group has screwed everything up regardless how town they were. You could never trust them. They always cut corners. Mm-hmm. And they didn't care about anybody themselves. For example, when they walked in the room, their attitude was, hey, here I am. Look at me. It's about me. The other people, when they walked in the room, was, hey, there you are. Tell me about you, what I can do to help you. And from that is when we came up with the three rules that we've tried to rule, coach our football team and my children. And I only had three rules. Do the right thing. Do the best you can. Show people you care. Just follow those three rules. Now, because everybody has three questions. Can I trust you? Are you committed? Excellent. You care about me. If you follow those three rules, people always trust you, know you're committed, and know you care. Now, you take two people. Take somebody you admire and respect. Take somebody you've got a problem with, okay? Put these three questions on both people. Simple yes or no. Can you trust them? Yes or no. Are they committed? Excellent. Yes or no. Do they care about you and the organization? Yes or no. I guarantee you. The person you admire and respect, you just said yes to all three questions. Oh, the person wow. you've got a problem with, you've pinpointed the problem. Either you can't trust them, they aren't committed, they don't care. And that's how simple life is. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> that That is terrific. And uh, I actually hadn't looked at that or had that phrased to me by anyone in that way. And I actually will I, employ that in my own life. I really will. So. Let me tell you, I've written three best-selling books. I've written more books than I've read, but that's a whole philosophy, and that's what uh, that's with our children, with athletes, with myself. Just make sure you can trust me and care. And I could give you an example, but that's not necessary. But that that's what Lou Holtz said my first year, William and Mary, and after it was a disaster. And, you know, from then on, you know, things have gone well for us. Great. In one of your interviews that I had heard, you had mentioned you had, towards the beginning of your coaching career, 107 goals you had written down. And well, what happened is I went to South Carolina under Marvin Bass. My wife's eight months pregnant for a third child. We spent every cent we had in the bank for a down payment on the home. And I'm there one month and get up on a Monday morning and, you know, headlines of the state paper reads Marvin Bass resigns. I said to my wife, I wonder if he's related to my coach. Well, after they hired Paul D, so he didn't retain me, and I don't know anybody in South Carolina. After my wife gave birth to Kevin, who's got a lawyer, she went to work in an X-ray technician. I stayed home, Dad. And it was at that time, feeling depressed, she bought me this book where they talked about goals and made five categories, things you want to do as a husband and father, things you want to do religiously, things you want to accomplish financially, things you want to do professionally, and just things you want to do for type and jump out of an airplane, land on an aircraft, go in a submarine, be on the tonight show, do magic, make a home one, go to the White House for dinner, visit with a pope, and, and then my wife suggested we get a job. So, you know, we made 108, <laughs> and out of those 108, we have done 102. Is that right? Oh, congratulations. Yes, That's terrific. Yeah. Have you Now, are there any recent goal additions that you're still adding to that list? Oh, yeah. There, there's six things that we, we haven't done. You know, looking at an airplane, I've always wanted to own an airplane. But uh, yeah, you'll add other things. But from the original list of 108, which was written in 1966. I'd say that's a pretty good result. 
Well, you know, you just ask what you want to do or what you're trying to do, and then remember the word win, what's important now. It'll evaluate fast focus on the future, tell you what you have to do at the present to get it done. Don't complicate life. Right. Another thing I had heard you say was you can you can pay people to perform, but you can't pay them to excel. My question is, as a leader, how do you get people to excel? Does that need to come from them, or can leaders draw that out of people? Well, you you, you can do two things. Number one, you can delete people that aren't motivated. But if uh, if somebody's not motivated, it's strictly because they don't have any goals or aspirations. The reason so many people don't aspire for greatness because they don't know how good they want it can be, or they're afraid of failure, afraid that they may not reach it. And your job as a coach is to show people how good they can be Get them to think about it in terms of getting better in different areas of life. You know, the trust, the commitment, the care, you know, that, that certainly helps. But just getting people to have something they want to accomplish with their life and then show them how they can do it. Okay. You've also talked before about the difference between being successful and being significant. Can you talk yes. a little bit about that difference? Success is somebody makes a lot of money, and when they die, it ends. When you're significant, whether you be a teacher, a leader, a coach, or something else, you help other people be successful. When you help other people be successful, that lasts many a lifetime. I'm starting in the process of bringing people back and coach or played for me, just just to reinforce once again the things that we need to do in life. But that. That significance where you're helping other people be successful. And that, whether you be a parent, whether you be a coach, whether you be a teacher, whether you be a manager. You had mentioned a willingness of people in leadership roles in one of the interviews I had heard to settle for mediocrity in their people rather than expecting greatness out of people. Can you talk well, a little bit about that? Yeah, well, the reason is that so many people in the leadership role worry about whether people are going to like them, whether they're going to be popular or not. See, there are two types of leaders, those who lift up and those who pull down. Uh, and we have spouses, coaches, that either going to lift people up or you're going to pull them down. By that, I mean that either you want to be popular or else you want to show how smart you are so you criticize everybody else trying to make them seem like they're that like they're not very good and only you are so much smarter than them. Whereas the whole secret is to lift people up, to get them to understand how good they are, what they're capable of achieving, what they can do, things of this nature. When you're in the leadership role, you can't worry about being popular. Your job is to have standards. And if somebody wants to fail, they have the right to fail. But nobody, nobody has the right to cause somebody else to fail. And if you join a team, you join a business, you bring a child in the world, you have an obligation to do everything you can to make that overall be successful. Okay. One of the things I've heard you mention before about in response to a, an important piece of advice you were given was that um, it's important to be around successful people. Can you talk a little bit about that and also well, about any other advice you'd have for aspiring leaders? I think that we live in a in, in a, an experimental laboratory, just looking around. And, and the one thing I've always tried to ask is, why is he successful? Why is he not? Why does he do this? Why does he did not do that? And, and I think you learn from people. Now, there's no real guarantee that it's going to work for everybody else. But you learn from people. You have a philosophy. One of the best things happened to me was when I was in college. 
I was forced to write a philosophy of life. And he said, you can add to it, you can detract to it, but what do you believe in? What do you stand for? What are the things you value? What are you willing to die for? What will you tolerate? What won't you tolerate? What kind of parent do you want to be? What kind of husband do you want to be? So you can make that as thorough as you want. You add to it instead of beliefs. You have a basic philosophy by which to live by, and I've always had our athletes write out a philosophy of life. I thought it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, great. Now, you've mentioned a few people who have inter- influenced you. My question is, if you had to identify your most admired leader or leaders, um, who would they be and why? Oh, the, the most admired person uh, would be my wife, certainly. She's overcome cancer. She's just a great human being that uh, always looks at the positive things. But as far as leadership, I, you know, I, I've been around the presidents, uh, Bill Clinton uh, was my attorney general and my lawyer when I was in Arkansas. I've known him well. I think he's a, he has a unique way to lead people. I, I, you know, you look at Ronald Reagan, you look, but I, I think you can go in, in so many different people. Jack Stevens, who uh, head up Stephen Sink, uh, just a beautiful person with a great philosophy. I, you can't say this person's the best leader, this person. My, there are so many thousands of leaders that don't get the publicity or you hear about, but they are making people better. You, you, you've got to understand that, that uh, everything you do, good, bad, or indifferent, is going to be magnified when you're in a leadership role. But once again, as I start off this conversation by saying, you can't name somebody leader. Titles come from above. Leaders come from below. You better have a vision. You better have a plan. You better have a passion to see if the thing gets done. Lead by example and be positive in the time of adversity. I can't begin to tell you. It's South Carolina where, where we're oh, uh, we're oh and 11 in my first year and you get down on your knees you say a prayer before you go into a staff meeting or a team meeting believing you're going to get it done. You know, 12 months later, we have the second greatest turnaround in the history of the NCAA. We go to a bowl game, beat Ohio State, nationally ranked. The following year, we beat them again, uh, finished 12th in the country, 17th one year, and I think 12th the next. I appreciate your time. It's been a great pleasure, and, and your wisdom is something that benefits those who haven't already experienced it. So thank you very much, Coach. Thank you, and I appreciate you. I'm flattered and honored to have selected me. There are no other you could have, but I just tried to be honest. Okay, thank you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. That concludes the leadership conversation with Lou Holtz. Now, Barry Alvarez and Urban Meyer share their thoughts about the leadership of Coach Holtz. Barry Alvarez is the Director of Athletics at the University of Wisconsin at Madison and a college football analyst. Formerly, Barry was the head football coach at Wisconsin, where he led the Badgers to tremendous success, including Big Ten championships and three Rose Bowl victories. Coach Alvarez has been named the National Coach of the Year. Earlier in his coaching career, Barry was hired by Lou Holtz as an assistant coach at Notre Dame. Here is Barry Alvarez speaking with me about Lou Holtz. Well, you know what, I think uh, one of the unique things about about Lou is how well he expresses himself. Okay. And I don't know if there's ever been a college coach that has been able to do what he's done in different situations, uh, taking over poor programs and 
and within one year have them very competitive and in a bowl game. Right. And, and so much of that is the foundation that he uh, lays and communicates to his staff and to the players as far as how how to be successful, what has to be done to be successful, and, and just how to go about your your day-to-day work, your day-to-day business the right way so that it, it, it shows up in positive results on the football field. Okay. What has been your connection with Coach Holtz in terms of times where you've been able to see what he does? Is well, that, that been... I co- I coached with him uh, at Notre Dame. Okay. And uh, my first year, uh, I, I went, uh, he hired me at Notre Dame. I was at the University of Iowa. He hired me at Notre Dame his second year. His first year, I believe they were five and six. Okay. Second year, we won a national championship. Wow. Next year, we, actually, we were, I think we won 24, 25 games in a row. We probably should have been national champs two years in a row. We ended up second the, the, the third year I was there. Okay. But to take a program that was really, I don't want to say it was in disarray, but it was, it was, it was floundering. It was, it was, uh, you know, there was a below 500 team when he took it over. And again, his second year, uh, with, with a, a number of guys who really hadn't done much before, wins a national championship with them. Wow. But to put a team together and get a, you know, we were a completely new staff on defense. And to be able to communicate what you want, uh, how you go about your business to get those things done at a very high level and accomplish it, it, it takes tremendous leadership. And, you know, that's, you know, that's certainly a credit to him. Sure. So you would say communication is, is kind of the core thing that really has enabled him to achieve Well, that. communication and, and, and the, his plan for success and his plan for going about your day-to-day life, not just winning football games and how it correlates. Okay. Now, is that something that has influenced you at all through your contact with him? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, he, he's, he's been the most influential person uh, in, my li- in, in, in my professional career. Wow. Well, that's saying. And I've been with some, I've I've been with some very, you know, my college coach was Bob Devaney, who's a Hall of Famer. Tom Osborne was on the staff. I worked for Hayden Fry, who's a Hall of Famer. Right. And Lou will be a Hall of Famer. So, but he he's been the most influential uh, person in my profession. Wow. Well, like I said, that's certainly a mouthful. Well, well, thank you so much, uh, Coach Alvarez. I- Appreciate you sharing of your time and insights on Coach Holtz. We now transition from the thoughts of Barry Alvarez to the thoughts of Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is the head football coach at the University of Florida. He led the Gators to the national championship this past football season. He is a three-time national coach of the year. Here, Urban Meyer responds to my question about a story about Lou Holtz. Obviously, I have great respect for Coach Holtz. Uh, he's a invaluable resource that I've used since my first day I was offered a job, uh, and that was at Bowling Green. And okay. a great story about Coach Holtz is that I called him late the night that I was going to turn down the Bowling Green job, and uh, he answered the phone, and I told him I was going to probably not take the job, and this is after he tutored me and mentored me and kind of 
got me an order to, to get offered that job. You know, he mentioned he helped me with the interview before I went in. Okay. And I told him I'm probably not going to take it. And he said, well, why not? And I said, well, I don't think it's a good job. And then he put it right on the table. He said, well, of course it's not a good job. If, it's, if it was a good job, why would they be calling you? <laughs> and, and that's true, and that's you know, that's typical of him. But he's a resource. When we struggled on the road last year at the University of Florida, he was the first person I called. I had him come up to speak to our staff about winning on the road. And he's, he is a great leader. He's, uh, he's obviously one of the great coaches in the history of the game of college football. And a lot of that is because of his leadership and ability to develop leaders. This concludes this month's podcast. Come back again next month for another edition of the Leadership Podcast Series from the resource for leaders, leadernetwork.org.